We've all been there, in the middle of a job, everything going smoothly, until boom, you're missing a part. United Refrigeration is your one-stop shop for all your refrigeration needs. Use your computer or smartphone to go to www.uri.com at any time of day or night to check stock on your favorite brands, such as Copeland, Sporland, Carlisle Compressors, Danfoss, Emerson CPC Boards and Sensors, Carell, Hussman Parts, and Ketotherm. United Refrigeration, Inc. is home to these brands and many more. Looking for information on refrigerant conversions or refrigerant banking? Quick access links on the homepage can get you to the information you need. All approved accounts are able to see live to the minute inventory and pricing. Product not in stock at your local branch? No problem. Use the nearby stock feature to find a local branch that does have what you need. Are you looking for a branch address, phone number, or after hours number? That's all available as well. Just click on the branch locator and search for your local branch. Have a model number and looking for a replacement part? www.uri.com forward slash ARP has a vast list of quick pick replacement parts. Just search for the model number of the equipment you're working on and click the replacement parts tab. If you don't have an account, click the register button and we'll have you online in no time. With more than 400 locations in North America, each United Refrigeration branch is fully stocked for immediate pickup. Our branch employees have in-depth technical knowledge so we can help you get what you need when you need it. Visit your local store or www.uri.com forward slash ARP today. United Refrigeration Inc. has all your solutions down cold. I wanted to take a quick minute to talk about one of our sponsors that make this podcast possible, and that's Parker Sporlin and the Catch-All Filter Dryer. Do you know what can reduce system efficiencies and reliability within your refrigeration system? If you answer contamination, you are correct. Sporlin Catch-All Dryers have been around since 1947 and have been perfected over the years to capture water, acid, solids, debris, including sludges and varnishes. For best practices, change the catch-all filter dryer if any of the following occurs. Initial system install, when a system is open for service or repair, when excessive pressure drop of 5 PSI across the filter dryer, when the see-all sight glass indicates water is present, when doing a T1-1 acid test kit says there's acid present, during a compressor burnout cleanup, and following a successful burnout cleanup. To find out more information, by downloading Bulletin 40-10 from Sporlin.com with all the catch-all filter dryer information. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. wrong yeah probably <laughs> i'm the world's best phonetic speller hello everybody welcome to advanced refrigeration podcast yep. you're here with your host brett wetzel and kevin compass brett wetzel's the world's best phonetic speller if you guys didn't hear that 
I, I can't say anything because I am the worst speller ever. So, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I, t- I told someone like, you know, remembering all this stuff sometimes it's, it's kind of like, you know, your brain's a cup of water. You fill up with so much stuff, you start to lose some stuff. That's why I can't remember birthdays and anniversaries and when I'm actually supposed to be on vacation. Like, I, I don't know holidays at all. Like, I'll, I'll schedule a trip to be, you know, to go somewhere. And my wife's like, well, I, that's Labor Day. I'm like, okay. Does that mean I have off? She's like, yeah, yeah, that means you have off. All right, cool. So, how's your well, week like this week? Day off you. What's that? Is it nothing? No, what did you say? Um, I said every day is a day off for you. Oh, shut up! I'm be I'm I'm productive. <laughs> I'm doing lots of stuff. Oh, oh, my week has just been, I don't know, irritating so far. <laughs> Any, anything crazy? No. Uh, yesterday was a uh, bit of a hassle. Everything from getting a speeding ticket from going uh, five miles an hour over. <laughs> Which I, I am still salty about on a highway. Never in my five life have I got a ticket five five miles over on a highway. <laughs> well, next time, next then time, what you, and, uh, next time, what you got to tell them is just say, "Hey, I just came back from Texas, and you know, theirs is ten miles an hour over, so I don't understand what the heck this five mile an hour business is about." <sighs> yeah, then I went and uh, went and. To go help some guys with an E2 that uh, lost its program, and I ended up bricking it. Yeah, I saw when that. I say brick, I mean like white screen, bad hard drive, completely <laughs> screwed. I mean the E2 was bad, but like I drove three and a half hours to go do this and bricked it. Have you have you ever tried just changing out the uh, the the little uh, hard drive that it has the 256 or whatever it was, whatever's in there? That's drive. So I actually had one in my van. <laughs> and no. And, that's oh. not the hard drive that's that's the bootloader really really so the hard drive is actually built into the controller that is the actual boot the bootloader for the controller that loads that has that keeps the uh boot file on to, to start up everything on online because oh. oh. i thought i've taken that out and it actually transferred the program i could be totally wrong but Mm-mm. no oh. it'll it'll transfer the bootloader program because I have one, I have one sitting in my uh, in my truck that has a bad bootloader, mm-hmm. meaning that the, the memory card is bad. So now I have a good controller, maybe. Be for sale. I don't know. I had to find it. <laughs> no, I had to find it. It is buried all the way in my van, and I I, I literally can't even open my back doors. So. Hey, remember that? Right, remember guys. that conversation? Hold on, re- hold on. I just want to remember this real quick because I remember the conversation. My van never gets like that, never, ever. It's always clean. Always, yeah. Always well, it, it, out. Is stacked, it is stacked front to back with packouts and uh, job materials. So, you know, when you do a job 100 percent by yourself and, and uh, you have all the material and tools in your van, so. But your van never looks like that. And, but I'm also driving a midget like mini transit, so. And I'm driving a soccer mom vehicle. Well, I don't even think you have tools anymore. I do. Shut up. So tonight we're going to talk about. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, yeah. All right. So let's talk about proper vacuums. So me and Brackett argue for 45 minutes. Oh, what am I? Internet go to crap now? Yep. 
Yep, that's why I turned off the uh, the video because uh, you were starting to pause. We were starting to walk all all over each other because your internet sucks. No, my internet better. It's fine. You know, Elon Musk. Elon right, Musk internet to freaking you know Ukraine, but he can't get Kevin better internet. Go ahead, go ahead and start. My neighbors, my neighbors have it, and uh, I'm still on a waiting list. Um, so let's talk about we're going to talk about proper vacuums so i mean there, there's a lot of controversy about like this and how to pull vacuums and how it's been done and how guys do it so first and foremost i want to talk about how i do it so i pull vacuums with a dedicated vacuum rig meaning like i have a set of hoses that all they do is vacuums no recovery just vacuums I have a you know vacuum pump that I keep the oil clean in. I have um, I do not use gauges to pull vacuums through for anything. I use core pullers and I use when you go out doing this, increase the, the speed that you're pulling tremendously. Meaning, like you could pull a lot faster with a vacuum rig and hoses and larger hoses that you can by pulling your gauges and core depressors. Pulling through gauges and core depressors has got to be one of the biggest waste of times out there. I mean, you're taking a vacuum pump, say if it's rated for a 10 CFM vacuum pump, you're taking that vacuum pump and pulling 0.2 to 0.4 CFM you know, per hose out of that system. So you're not even pulling an entire CFM. Say if you have a 10 CFM pump or a 6 CFM pump, you're not even pulling an entire CFM if you're using a set of gauges and quarter-inch hoses. Now, that same system, if you were to take that and pull the cores, you double, almost triple the flow through that same Schrader port. So you almost triple that flow through that Schrader port just by pulling the Schraders and having hoses with no depressors and larger bore hoses. So me personally, I use the BlueVac stuff. Um, the BlueVac has been the best that I've found so far just for the simple fact that they are the only true vacuum hoses that will not leak under a super deep vacuum. They're not like black hoses or just colored hoses. Like these are designed primarily for vacuums only. They will not hold pressure. They're not made for recovery. They're only made for vacuums. So these are basically what would be uh, – three quarter inch hoses that you could change the ends on and they have KF fittings, which KF fittings are used in industrial vacuums and uh, a lot of uh, industrial applications they're used for uh, process stuff. Like they're, they're a special type of fitting with an O-ring in there. So these are designed for industrial vacuums. I mean, these things are tough. So like the, the benefit is here, I could change the ends on these hoses. Say if I need half inch ends on these hoses, I'm pulling on a brand new rack you know, that I'm putting half-inch packed angles on, I could use half-inch hoses. If I'm doing service and I have uh, Schrader cores, I could put quarter-inch hoses. Go ahead, Brett. So I have to ask you, how much is a setup? Because, you know, that's the – yeah, I don't see a green guy going out and getting the blue vac setup. What's the setup cost? Uh, mine was an astronomical amount because I bought it in the beginning and I had to get custom hoses. So now they have – um. When me and you were down in Florida, we, I talked to Jim Bergman down there, and they set up a kit 
where they have uh, six foot and eight foot hoses in a kit. Mm-hmm. I want to say the kit was around like 250 bucks, I think, for a core puller, uh, a hose, and uh, and two or three different types of ends. Mm-hmm. So an angled end, a straight end, a uh, half inch end, a three eighths end. So like they, I mean, that's not honestly that bad. I mean, a core puller alone is, is almost $90. I thought they were cheaper. I thought they were cheaper. No, an Appian core puller is like almost 85, 90 bucks. So, I mean, you figure you're getting a core puller and you're also getting a vacuum hose set up. So, I mean, it's a win-win there. So, I mean, that that's, that's what I like. I like the Appian core pullers way more. I mean, I think they last better and like the magnet on the new ones is like, Awesome. So the reason for that, because I used to use exclusively yellow jacket. That's all I ever used. And like I don't know, five months five months in, six months in, you know, I I, they I'd start not being able to pull a schrader as easy as what it once did. It wasn't because it wasn't latching on or anything like that. But the shaft is actually brass. What actually ends up happening, you know, like usually when you're pulling out a discharge, if it slips out of your hands, it'll it'll hit back real hard. And because they're brass, the actual shaft there, it actually bends. You don't, you know, you can't really see it unless you lay it later on a complete straight edge. But that's why, you know, Appion uses the stainless steel for their connection. So that doesn't happen. So, you know, the only thing that you ever have to change out on the Appion, you know, core pullers is basically the the rubber gaskets or the rubber O-rings. And that's usually from, excuse me, people over tighten them. So there are only two core pullers that are technically vacuum rated. It's Appian and AccuTools. Those are the yeah. only two core pullers. Yellow Jacket, Hillmore, JB, all those ones are not vacuum rated. Hmm. So if you're pulling like super low vacuums, like they will leak. Gotcha. They're, they're, those are made for a core replacement. Same with the C&D ones. Appian mm-hmm. is technically the only vacuum rated one. And I replace them every year. Yeah, I lose them way before that, though. Like, I probably have <laughs> like seven Appian core pullers on my cart that are all missing, like the the stems. I got you. And if you, listen, if you guys don't want to, you know, spend the, spend the money for the good ho- uh, good hoses, you know, there are some things that you can do to get around that. Um, you know, I showed uh, one of the guys, Greg. Um, he basically took uh, an inch and five uh, piece of copper. Uh, welded up both sides, put it on a piece of uh, thin Unistrut just so it wouldn't roll around in his van, and basically welded on several service valve fittings. So then this way, you know, he he has, you know, on his vacuum pump, he has a three-eighths line, a half-inch line. He can hook that directly to this header, and then basically all the three-eighths and quarter-inch service valves that he actually has on there, now he can utilize that to pull wherever a vacuum that he needs to on that rack. So... Okay, there's easier ways to do it than that. You could buy an air compressor block, distribution block off Amazon. Okay. Okay, like 20 bucks. Gives you a bunch of, uh, it's 5 eighths bore by uh, half inch and 3 eighths pipe thread. Mm-hmm. You can thread packed angle valve straight into it. So now you have a header. It depends. You could you could order them like spaced out. Like you could basically order whatever you want. Like they have it. Like there's so many different types of uh, air compressor blocks. Um, you could do that. Now, like I have that super fancy vacuum pump that the shop has, and then we have that header that we had made 
with the seven KF fittings on there. So like I have this giant header that we pull brand new racks with because pulling with copper is pointless. Um, especially on new jobs. It's didn't I just see someone post a picture of that? It was a stainless it was a stainless steel header that had all the uh I forget what you just called the fittings, the K K and N fittings. No? KF fittings. Um KF. It may have been Nathan. They they had one made after they saw my, ours. <laughs> but so like we have this giant header made. So like I could take these eight foot hoses and I can go from basically anywhere. I have, I have 16 feet on each side so I can get to any side of the rack. So like we're pulling a brand new store. Copper is useless. Okay. You're pulling. So say you have three eighths copper going to this. Well, that uh, blue vac hose is the equivalent of seven eighths copper. So that oh, it, it's all in the hose. The way the hose is designed is the way the friction goes through there. So you are picking up all this friction with this flow on a three eighths copper line that's reducing the vacuum speed. Now, and that's sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that's why, like pulling through a, a service valve that has a Schrader in there versus, yeah, you know, um, like it just if it has the threads or if it's just smooth. Believe it or not, that actually makes a difference. Um, you know, because it actually has the ridges in there that the Schrader actually pulls into, it, it 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 resists when you're pulling a vacuum on it. So that's why they tell you, for the most part, you try to hook up to any fitting that doesn't have any resistance. Basically, no Schrader, no threads in the inside. It's just that that will pull a vacuum a hell of a lot faster than anything else. Yeah, I mean, so like I'm actually using a micron gauge every time. So like, but even when I'm doing service, like I'm pumping pumping stuff down. I'm using core pullers to pump everything down. I'm after I'm done, I have the core puller still hooked up to the circuit or to the case or whatever I'm doing. I'm uh, using those core pullers to pull vacuum. Now I have a, I'll, I'll slap a micron gauge on there instead of a, 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 my stubby gauge. I'll slap a micron gauge on there and I will use that to pull. Yes. In an operating supermarket, you're not going to hold microns. You're not going to do a decay test. You're not going to hit microns every time. Let's be honest. Ball valves bleed through uh, on a 20-year-old system. Yeah, I'm not expecting to hit microns, okay? I'm not expecting to hit 500. But I want to see it get under like 15,000, you know? I want to make sure there's not like a gaping leak somewhere or like uh, something like that. But it's just getting in the habit of doing it all the time, using that micron gauge. I mean, the more you get in the habit for it, the, the easier it will be to pull vacuums on new jobs. I mean, there's, for God's sakes, the last two racks we did. In less than four hours, we had an entire CO2 rack uh, below 1,000 microns. Is that when and you were it, pulling off the reliefs? Uh, yes. So, like, like with that, like, if I'm doing a brand new rack and I don't have, say, say the manufacturer screwed me and I got the value rack special. Um with they give me like you give you one three eighths packed angle valve on the liquid line because that's all we need. So say I get that and we don't have any uh, fittings and I get the old uh, manufacturer you know corkscrew, I will pull the reliefs off, okay, and I will thread in uh, fittings into the reliefs, usually like half inch fittings, and then I will hook the blue vac hoses up to them. So like that's why like I have a vacuum kit recovery kit like it has all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, three eighths by MPT by uh, flare, half inch MPT by flare, uh, flare reducers, all kinds of stuff. Anything you could think you're going to need brass wise, I have. 
Uh, I have a ton of quarter inch female flare to three eighths male flare reducers. So that way I could take right from my core polar. So say I'm doing a big recovery. I'll take from my core polar. I'll, I'll thread on the, uh, after I pull the core, I'll thread on a three eighths adapter. Now I'm pulling a three eighths into my recovery machine or a three eighths into a vacuum pump if I need to. So I'm blowing it up at the outlet of that. The bigger the hose, the better you go, the less friction you have. It's not so much dependent on the, uh, the inlet of the hose. It's more dependent on the actual length of the hose and the amount of friction in the hose. Can we refer to getting screwed as now getting Kevin? Like when it comes to like the manufacturer mess up, can we can we refer to it as getting Kevin? Oh yeah, I, I got a good one uh, that I got to talk to you about later. <laughs> it, it's gonna make you it now. Really, no, because we're talking about vacuums. It's gonna make you really scratch your head. Okay. And I was told that I'm not an engineer, so you're not. I, I know. I just fixed what they what they don't do right. Okay, so uh, <laughs> this is what I do all day long. It's just fix things that engineers like think will work on paper, but don't. Yeah, there, maybe, maybe there's a reason why we've had like two engineers on this podcast. Yeah, but the engineer we had on was like, <laughs> Joe was like super smart. Like he actually does his job. <laughs> Your hate for everybody is astounding. <laughs> Hate everybody, just most <laughs> most engineers. Okay, all right, back to vacuums. So, again, now we're I want to get into this whole myth of uh, freezing water because here we go. Um, you're not going to freeze water in an active yes, system. No, yes, you're not. You yes, you no, will. You're not. No, you're not. Do I do I have to get other? Listen. On an active live system, okay, we're not talking a jar of water that is sitting on a, on a table as a parlor trick. That's all that is, is a parlor trick. Okay, all you're doing is freezing water on a table by pulling a vacuum. That's cool. That's great. But guess what? There's not that much water in, that, in, a, in a running system. Okay, all right, all right. You, do, you have in a more running system in a running system, yes, but a system that just got doused with water because of a chiller breakage or a glycol breakage. 100% different situation. Like, okay, we're the not water talking- still, the water is still going to freeze. Ask NASA. They pee outside, it freezes. Listen, from taking from somebody who had a chill a rack completely flood all the way up to the condenser. Yes. I, I we'll go over that. But you are not going to freeze water by pulling a vacuum too quick on a system that was running before. And why do we warm up coils when we're trying to pull a deep vacuum on something like you know it's it, it, vacuum? I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna boil any refrigerant on the oil by warming up the coils. But you're not going to freeze water in there. Okay, a how the water get in there, and b what's going to happen to the water once it freezes. Uh, my it, copper, my 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 copper plating rack that took out every single compressor says different. That you know, your your copper plating rack is because because people don't know how to pull vacuums. No, no, no. It was it was a com issue that caused the rack to go in a bump down. Yeah, but that wasn't from va- that was from the rack pulling a vacuum itself. Yes, so it was pulling moisture non condensables. 
Yeah, well, that, that's not from pulling a vacuum. That's from the rack pulling its own vacuum. <laughs> moisture into the system. Oh, okay, yeah, it pulled moisture into the system, but like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actually pulling a vacuum too quick. You're not going to that is not going to be an issue you have in the field. You're not going to freeze moisture in there, and if you do, guess what? It's going to simulate or uh, I don't know if I said that word right. It it's going to dissolve. It's going to it's going to warm up. And it's going to pull out. How do you get moisture out of a system? You let it sit on a vacuum pump in a deep vacuum. Not doing triple evacuation, which is a complete waste of time. I'm I'm getting a NASA engineer, and we're going to discuss this. It's fine. This is not NASA engineering. Uh, this is like hillbilly refrigeration. Mr. <laughs> <Stir> Indiana. <laughs> I'm just saying you're not going to freeze water in a system. Okay, guess what? If you're worried about it, warm the system up. Get, keep the crankcase heaters on. Force the heaters on in the all freezer. Right, all right, all right. I do agree to disagree. No, 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 this is this is good dialogue. Like you're not explain to me how you're going to freeze water by pulling it too fast in a system if there's no water in there. I'm saying if there is moisture in there, how you would have to have a substantial amount of moisture. But even if you did. Okay, say it's a brand new Obviously system. These residential cats that have that have um, uh, piston tubes block up because of a little bit of moisture. Not like someone's dumping a freaking Poland spring bottle down the suction line. Well, let's see what happens here. No, not those happening. things can't. What? That's not happening. Those guys care way too much about airflow. <laughs> I mean, you're talking a piston that isn't going to block up. I mean, come on. Take it, take it from somebody who pulls vacuums for a living. Like that's all I for. It, it, it's half my life on, on on these construction startups is pulling vacuums. You're not going to freeze moisture, and guess what? If you do, you're going to see it on a micron gauge. Agree to disagree. No, <laughs> there, there, there's there's no agree to disagree. Like it's you're not. It, it's it's a it's a blown out of proportion thing. You know, we we knew this was gonna. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, and I love it because I'll, I'll take a good argument right now. Like this is this is good. I mean, you're not going to freeze. Okay, so so what's your thing? Pull the vacuum so, slower. So why? No, 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 no. But that was the whole purpose of doing the the triple evac, where you know you you blow, you blow nitrogen. Yeah, the purpose of blowing a triple evac. The purpose of a triple evac was from back with before they had two stage vacuum pumps and reliable micron gauges, hundred percent, because. Purging mo- purging nitrogen through a system does not pull out moisture. A hundred percent does not. I'm booking nitrogen. Appian. Appian, if you're listening to this podcast, you can break this discussion. I mean, nitrogen has no ability to absorb moisture. Okay, it's going to not saying you can't push it through. You may push it through, but guess what? Where, where do you do? Where do you do the most dehydration in a deep vacuum? Uh, usually, so when I'm, you, well, no, no, no. Usually, when I'm making beef jerky, I use the dehydrator. Okay, yeah, but like, I mean, as you're as you're dehydrating, you're 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 pulling a deep vacuum. So, like, if you want to dehydrate the system, pulling a deep vacuum is that triple evacuation is a complete waste of time. Well, you can't do it on a rack anyway. That's in service. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't have, uh, oh, so by the way, while hold on, while, while we're talking about it, never, ever, ever use nitrogen on a live system 
unless whatever you're pressure testing is completely cut off and capped from the system. Um, there's a guy that gotten some doo-doo because he basically pressurized, you know, he couldn't find a leak, pressurized it and ended up putting nitrogen into a system that had active refrigerant in it. It didn't like that. And the ball valve wasn't holding. And I guess that was why he wasn't pulling a vacuum. So don't do that. He had no issues in the wintertime though, with head pressure though. (laughs) Ain't great. Awesome. Subcooling. There was like 80 degrees of subcooling coming off the liquid line. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, Triple evacuation and it is a complete waste of time. It is. If you're going to triple evacuate with, with refrigerant, oh, yeah. hell yeah, that works. I mean, it's completely illegal, but like um, refrigerant absorbs moisture. It absorbs moisture, Jesus. Um, that, that works. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to do it with nitrogen, that's a complete waste of time. Now, I will say this. There is a company in Chicago that is using heated nitrogen like uh, when chillers break tubes they're taking heated nitrogen high pressure heated nitrogen and blowing it through a chiller mm-hmm. that would be effective because mm-hmm. now you're heating and raising the boiling point and uh boiling out any of, moisture of the moisture so it doesn't freeze you're right you're absolutely right exactly what you no. just said but, but <laughs> what it's uh, I hope you fall over in that chair. Um, you're, you're not going to, it's not going to be an issue in, in, in a live system. I've seen water freeze in a jar. Yeah, you've seen water freeze in a jar like a parlor trick. It, is, it literally is a parlor trick that I wish they would stop teaching in trade schools because it literally just makes this whole like thing of oh you're gonna freeze the moisture in there in there and you're pulling a vacuum too quick no pull a vacuum as quick as you can get as deep as as you can as fast as you can so that way you you could sit down there in a deep vacuum and let it pull because guess what if you ever watched a micron gauge if you ever watch like jim bergman do like a presentation on this like uh, on the blue vac gauge of like what it looks like when there's moisture on there like the spikes and the gauge like you could tell right away when there's moisture I'm calling Appion. Hello, guys. With the addition of having Fuel Pieces, one of our newest sponsors, we're going to be doing a tool giveaway from the months of April to December. The way this is going to work is we're going to give questions out for the first three podcasts of the month. Once you get the answers to these questions, you're going to send your answers to advancedrefrigerationpodcast at gmail.com. And in the subject title card, you're going to put tool giveaway at that point the people that answered the questions correctly will be put in a drawing to see who would win that tool for that month thanks guys and good luck the first question is what is the legal limit in weight that you're allowed to charge a self-contained up to that contains propane as a refrigerant today's episode is sponsored by the new reefer shield differential pressure monitor from westermeyer industries When the filter element of your coalescing oil separator is contaminated, it can hurt your system's performance and efficiency. But how do you know when it's time to replace that filter? Way too long to replace and you could end up with a nasty filter blowout. 
but replacing too often can be a waste of time and money. The answer is installing a differential pressure monitor. The new Reefer Shield RDP-01 differential pressure monitor is available now from Westermeyer Industries. To find out more information, email sales at westermeyerind.com. That's sales at westermeyerind.com. I have their card somewhere. Whatever. If you want to talk about vacuums, you got to get Jim Bergman on. That man knows more about vacuums than anybody out there. Okay. Jim, if you're listening, if you want to be on. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, don't be worried about pulling, like, stuff like that. And if you guys can't afford a vacuum kit, you know, right away, you can make your own, okay? So, like, you can get some 3 8 hoses and use that as long as they have good, good uh, hoses in there or gaskets in there. Appian, for example, they make a super cheap kit where they have an Appian core puller and a quarter inch by three eighths hose. Works great. I had one for years. I ended up giving it away when I got the blue vac stuff. But like that Appian hose works great. It's like six feet long. It's still way faster than pulling through quarter inch hoses. Um, it ends up working great. I mean, you can end up pulling vacuums a lot quicker. Um, having a good vacuum gauge, uh, blue vac field piece makes a good one. Just anything but that thermodynamics one where it's like the needle I, gauge. So I actually, I've had the same vacuum gauge for a very, 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 very long time. I have the, uh, the yellow, uh, the yellow jacket one that, um, that comes in a little case there. And man, that thing's lasted. I don't even know. 15 the, the years. Blue back, the blue back one is like a love hate relationship. Like yeah, what is that? you'll, you'll love it and you'll absolutely hate it because there's no cheating it. And, uh, it is, you'll learn how, how many leaks you have on your vacuum rig with that thing very quickly. Really? Yes, it is. It is the most sensitive vacuum gauge that I've found. Probably sensing all that ice in there. Yeah, all the all the ice in there that's not there from pulling a vacuum too quick. You just you should see the uh, you should see the thirty four cfm vacuum pump just clapping away with the eight, with the eight hoses on there. Yeah, making all that ice. Now let's talk about if there is that much moisture. Okay, Brett, since you're the the resident uh, pro uh, ice uh, ice man, how, how do you get rid of the flooded rack? Uh, I use a whole bunch of of. Heat just something that heat the uh, heat the equipment. So if it's a chiller, right, you're gonna drain out all the oil or all the water that you can, and just try to flush every little bit of it, you know uh, moisture that you got in that system out. And then at that point, it's nitrogen and vacuum, and nitrogen and vacuum, and nitrogen and vacuum back and forth, just trying to push out all that shit that's in there. And sometimes. That doesn't even all work. Um, you know, there's you know, not you know, there's not those chillers aren't made to have that that bank of you know water in there. So there's no drain on that section of the chiller because otherwise you'd be draining off the suction, right? So what about a rack? on a rack. Oh, I don't even know how that's how'd you uh what collapsed that you got water in the rack? So this was a manufacturing plant that i took care of um mm -hmm. 
all TNM, like they had their own maintenance there. They would only call when they've broken it like 15 times. Uh, so this, this particular day that I ended up going there on a weekend, they couldn't get the rack back running. Thing mm-hmm. holds like 2000 pounds of gas, told me they put 50 pounds of gas in there and uh, it took off. Uh, so we started like going through it, realized that the suction filters had frozen. Sweet. Like it blew shut. And then the thing wasn't actually full of refrigerant. It was full of water. Mm-hmm. So what we ended up doing was shutting it down, blew off the gas, whatever was left in there, which was nothing. Basically we found all low points, drilled holes in the traps, let them drain. Mm-hmm. Pressurized it as much as we could to, you know, blow everything out of everywhere, lock the heaters on the freezers to warm up the, the heaters and boil out the moisture inside of it. And then we basically just let it sit on vacuum pumps for as long as we could with heating up the receiver. We tarped mm-hmm. the condenser, uh, put turbo heaters on the condenser because it was the middle, middle of winter or fall. We put turbo heaters under the condenser, heated it up, basically heated up as much of the system as we could, and then just kept vacuum pumps rolling on it as long as we could. And then when we went to go start it up, I've never seen this done before, like besides this place, but one of my bosses was out there and he filled the dryer shell full of tampons. That's amazing. Uh, apparently I looked it up. Like it's, it's like an old school thing because they're, they're absorbent. So, <laughs> and then, uh, there was a bunch of this uh, moisture away crap that we put in there from new Calgon, like, uh, or acid is the acid scavenger. Yeah. Acid scavenger. We put so, like a gallon of it in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it tells you how much to put in per, you know, what, you know, however much refrigerant it holds or whatever. Cause like, so on that chiller that I told you that, that ruptured um, because it was a processed chiller, they were like, it needs to be running now. And like, it's not done. Like I was still getting milk out of the vacuum pump. Um, and guys, what I mean by that is, you know, after pulling uh, a highly saturated system that has a boatload of moisture in it, that, that uh, vacuum pump oil will basically turn into a milky white substance. Um, I've had it happen on a Kramer thermal bank. I had it happen on a chiller and basically um I was getting harp. They were like, you know, this is costing a lot of money to have this down. I'm like, but it's not fixed. And they're like, well, we want it up. So I started up and on these, uh, on the train, uh, rotary screw chillers, they have a, a screen and the unit pump, like it pumped down. I added the correct amount of charge and it pumped right down. And basically it was doing the same thing that you just said. It was, it was creating a Venturi effect and all the moisture that was stuck in there was, you know, stuck, stucking up the, 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 like the little strainer that's in the back of the suction go in there, scoop the, <laughs> pump it down, you know, scoop this, take apart the service valve, scoop out the snow that's in there, throw the snow out, put it back in, do that a couple of times until it stopped pumping itself down. Yeah. The first time we started the rack up, my boss jumped the gun and, uh, didn't let, we didn't let it pull long enough because this place was the same thing. Like we need it now, 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 yeah. now. And, uh, I just remember the, the apprentice like laughing. I'm like, what, what are you laughing? We, we started up. He's like, what are you laughing about? He goes, there's ice floating in the site glass right now. Then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, you see the rack pump down. I'm like, what? Look over there. There's this, there's like an ice chunk is floating around the site glass. The, there was a liquid outlet pressure regulator on the liquid line. It actually froze the valve shut. 
So that was, and then by the time we dumped the gas again and uh, started pulling a vacuum, that that gas we dumped had, you know, absorbed a lot of the moisture, and uh, we pulled again. But I mean, at that point, you, not using nitrogen, if he was heated nitrogen, it would probably work pretty good. But like normal nitrogen, you're pretty much not going to do anything. You just need uh, decent vacuum pumps and a cold trap. So a cold trap is something like the chiller guys use a lot. So a cold trap is actually like a vessel inside of a vessel. And what you do is, so you have this outer vessel that the vacuum pulls through. Okay, it sucks. It sucks in one way. It, think of it like an oil separator. So like a Temperator or a Westermeyer oil separator. You got the big lid on top. So inside of that, there will be another vessel that is sealed up that you fill full of dry ice or liquid CO2 or refrigerant or whatever you do. And that vessel, that inner vessel is going to be super cold, as cold as it could be, uh, freezing below dew point. And what happens is the point of a cold trap is that 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 you know vapor coming back through the system is going to come into the cold trap and it's going to freeze to that actual cold trap to where the, the dry ice is or liquid nitrogen or liquid CO2. It's going to freeze to that. And what this is going to do is allow the non-moist air to go to the vacuum pumps because what ends up screwing you in this situation is if you turn that, that vacuum pump oil milky, now you're not absorbing any moisture anymore. You're not getting it out because the vacuum pump oil is trash and the vacuum pump's not it's, doing any work. It's, it's oversaturated. You can't, it, yeah. it, you know, it will, it, like if you if you ran a test with, with milky white oil, you might be able to run down to maybe 500 microns. If you can get, if it's where it's brand new clear, you might be able to get that micron gauge down to like six microns. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing depends on the oil. So what the cold trap does is protects you, protects your oil. It makes you, so instead of like, okay, in that situation, we had a cold trap. Instead of getting, you know, 20 minutes out of a vacuum pump like we were before, the big like Welch vacuum pump, uh, we were getting two hours out of a vacuum pump. You know. Question. What are your thoughts on using the gas ballast? There's not very many people that even know what that's used for. So I run the gas ballast. when I'm below like Explain 900 microns first, so the gas ballast basically is a, a, um, it diverts the gas inside the vacuum pump. So it doesn't come in contact with the oil as much. It diverts it through the first stage. So like if it's a two stage pump, it reverts it through the first stage and out. The reason you want to use this is when you're first pulling, you want to keep as much of that vapor out of that, out of that vacuum pump as you can. It does two things. It takes the load off the vacuum pump and it allows you to vent off any vapor or refrigerant and keep it out of the vacuum pump oil. Using that will will keep your vacuum pump oil fresher longer. Yeah, that's I just want to bring that up because I like I had mentioned that uh, I was shooting videos. uh, Yeah, last week I was I was in California. Um, We were shooting videos, you know, making some videos and, and basically the the kid asked me he's like what's the gas ballast for he's like is i've been doing this about three years and i don't think i've ever used it i don't know what it's for <laughs> yeah so. that that's where that's where like uh the app or the appion and the uh field piece ones and navac real nice like field pieces are like super nice because the gas ballast right in the back it tells you if it's on or not mm-hmm. and 
you could actually hook a hose right up to where the gas ballast port is and just throw it out. So if you're like pulling a vacuum on something where like the, the valves are bleeding through and you're trying not to choke to death while you're burning something, you could hook a garden hose up to that and vent it outside. Gotcha. But that, that is the point of the gas ballast. But like the whole thing here, guys, is like ditch pulling vacuums through gauges. I mean, pulling vacuums through gauges is like a dying thing. I know it's like convenient for most guys, but in the end, it's really not convenient when it takes longer. So would you rather it take longer in the middle of the night or would you rather it be done quicker so you can get out of there and get home? I mean, that's the whole thing. I'd rather my vacuums be done quicker so I could spend time on other things. Pulling vacuums through a dedicated hose rig, once you like actually do it and you actually see it, it's so much faster. And then not using a set of gauges and pulling down to 27 inches or 28 inches, using an actual vacuum gauge or like a, a digital gauge. I mean, in doing it properly, I mean, A, you're going to stop these like getting air in racks. You're going to stop this. And just actually pulling a vacuum because let's be honest, there's some old timers out there that don't pull vacuums and still purge. I still uh, see it. I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, um, <laughs> bullshit. No. Absolutely not. He's not talking about me. That um, still happens. And this I, Windows 11 laptop just booted up finally. What is this? An hour later? That's amazing. Uh, so uh, one of the things about you know getting a little bit little. Oh, I can't freaking talk today. A little bit more longevity out of the micron gauge. Put a ball valve on there. Um, this way, when you reintroduce the refrigerant to the system, you don't damage it. You know we don't want any. That they also tell you not to start the the micron gauge until you at least hit thir- uh, thirty inches uh, of water column before you actually start that thing. But See, that's for the ball ball ball, ball. it'll take three hundred pounds. Well, I'm sure that's not the intent of it, right? Oh no! Like they literally say, like you could start it up with, uh, you could leave it on there with the system running, and it is completely fine. I find that hard to believe. That's I've, it. Another question for Bergen or Appian. Does Appian even make a vacuum gauge? No, but they don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Probably they make regular. Well, they may make regular gauges, right? Those stubbies are awesome. So. I mean, uh, so guys, yeah, that, that's the whole point here. Actually pull a vacuum that's the whole the whole goal of this and like actually like introducing like we'll send some videos out like eventually of like how i pull vacuums and how i'm accomplishing it and exactly pulling it i mean there's some uh some more news coming up soon with us that uh maybe we'll do some uh, vacuum videos but uh all right guys have a nice one all right later guys Well, they say all good things come to an end. What's that got to do with this show?